Uh, thanks for tuning in and listening to the In Focus podcast. I'm Adam Olier. And I am Crystal Olier. Thank you so much to all of our listeners and for the studio staff and editors for bringing uh, out this content. All right. What's in focus this week uh, in Detroit? The train station has been really big news. I mean, it, mm. it's been everywhere. Uh, I was able to uh, go to the opening where Bill Ford Jr. talked about uh, the train station, which uh, was this is this incredible monument in Detroit, and for many years had been the sign of what most people call decay or decrepitude yes, or whatever. But yeah, urban decay. But the, the irony is, it was people. You know, it's probably one of the biggest tourist spots in the city, and everybody wanted to go by, take pictures, mm. and look at it. And you know, I, I wonder how different it's going to be. Uh, now that it's going to be a contributing part of society, right? Like, mm. it, it will be less interesting to most of the people who came here because they were like, man, can you believe this big, gorgeous building is just all vacant? And, you know, people love to talk about that. Yeah, weren't people, like, illegally, like, going on with hikes there or oh, spelunking absolutely. In, yeah, it was in like, the building? I think it was called Urban Orienteering or something like that. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, it, it had a name. Okay. Not spelunking, though. Okay. But, you know, I'm pulling up my Carmen San Diego knowledge with that. Yeah. Spelunking. Mm-hmm. Crystal is the best at Scrabble. Do not play with her. <laughs> she knows how to spell every word and has a vocabulary that is unreasonable. Uh, but I think most of us 90s kids know spelunking. I mean. Okay. You don't remember from Carmen San Diego? Like, there were all—you had to know the hobbies of the different criminals— and one of the listed hobbies that frequently came up was spelunking. You know the judge is my aunt. Oh, from the television show? Yeah, Lynn Thickman. Wow, that's pretty cool. We're related. She's family. Any, anywho, <laughs> anywho, anywho, back to Detroit. So uh, one kind of cool thing is uh, one of the biggest changes at the train station was a couple years back, they added windows to the train station. Mm. And... Uh, the cool thing about history is everybody takes credit for all the cool parts, and so I will take credit for the small role I played in this. Uh, the uh, government affairs person who used to represent the bridge company, who represent, you know, who worked for the Maroons, who owned the bridge or who used to own the train station, and I are fraternity brothers, and mm. so we were talking about, you know, the issue, and I was like, man, Ken, if you could just get them to put windows in the building. That would solve most of these problems because it wouldn't look all messed up and people wouldn't be able to get in. It wouldn't look like a gap tooth, like, you know, toothless, toothless building. And so a week later, the Ambassador Bridge, you know, the Maroons announced we're putting windows in. And I was like, yeah, I did that. And, you know, who knows? Maybe they had been thinking about it for years. Maybe it was just a coincidence. But I like to, to think that I played an impact in this thing. And so it was really cool to be there as Bill Ford Jr. announced that. Ford was moving into the train station, not to just be, you know, another office building or thing like that, but saying that this was going to house their world innovation for mobility, mm. right? That Henry Ford, the company, Ford, Ford Motor Company, was going to go back to being not an auto business, right, but a mobility business, right? So Ford Motor Company huh. was this idea That's that, an interesting distinction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, was this idea that their their job was to move people. And, and so mm-hmm. Bill Ford said, hey, our goal uh, at Ford Motor Company was to, 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 to do two things, was to start uh, – was to change the way people thought about automobiles, right, to make them affordable. And the second part was to advance the lives of people, right? And and as we talk about mobility, you know, they were talking about trains. They were talking about smart grids, autonomous vehicles, all the things 
that get people and information moving. Okay. And I think that's really critical because that's the way we should be thinking about it. And uh, I think that Ford, GM, Chrysler, but particularly Ford at this point, this juncture, could be the leader in getting a regional transit system done. And maybe redefining how we think about transit. So it's not just light rail. It's not just trains. It's not buses. It's not any of those things. But the system that moves people in all these conducting, you know, connecting ways. And so I'm really excited that they're saying that the train station mm-hmm. is going to be their the world hub for, hub okay. for moving people. Mm-hmm. So it was really exciting. You know, they had uh, Bill Ford Jr. The mayor spoke. The governor spoke. The county exec spoke. Uh, the chairman and CEO of, of Henry Ford, it was a who's who of people from the city, the state. Uh, and Ford emphasized that they weren't abandoning Dearborn, but that they were connecting the two. Okay. Right. And okay. so, you know, saying, hey, between Ford and Dearborn, we're going to anchor this space. That we're going to take control. We are going to own the progress and development of that space. And I thought that was really dynamic mm-hmm. because I think too often people look at uh, Detroit's growth as poaching things from the suburbs. But what we've got to be doing is we're saying we're going to grow as a region. We're not going to move from Wayne, you know, move things from Oakland Mm -hmm. to Wayne County, move things from Macomb to Wayne County. But we're going to get people who were in Oakland, California. Right. Mm -hmm. We're going to get people who were in Texas and Dallas and Florida and Washington all across the country to come here and say, hey, this is where we want to be and this is how we're going to do it. Mm -hmm. And I think Ford's uh, mobility uh, statement at the train station is really a, a first step in doing that and opening both the state and the world back up to it. So, yeah. What do you think, love? Did they give specifics on what exactly would be? So I understand it's a hub. It's a hub for transporting people and ideas. Um, kind of like the Silk Road. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no, they, they didn't announce a whole bunch of specifics. Okay. But they said that you know they're going to make a major investment. They're going to put a lot of people there. By 2022, they're going to keep some public space. Okay, so that's the timeline. Uh, yeah. To like a first move in. Yeah, like I, think, I, think I think they're thinking three years, okay. but they're going to keep the the not the foyer. What do you call that space? The the entryway that a foyer is an entryway. Okay, yeah, they're going to keep that as a public or, space, so it will still have a, a public space, and, mm-hmm. and you know or later maybe a lobby or lobby is probably more. Got right, it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they were talking about keeping uh, some of the the passenger rail lines there, so maybe one day it will also have trains again. Hmm. You know, it would be the great it would be a great connection for commuter rail from Detroit to Ann Arbor, Detroit to the. Um, to the airport, yeah, and to really we make do some need of those things transportation from the airport. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so that's a cool thing happening in Detroit. And then uh, what's his name? He's a rapper. He's from Detroit. Big Sean, Big Sean yes. was there to perform. He's got a, a really cool partnership with uh, Henry F- with Ford Motor Company. He does uh, Men of Courage thing as well. And so it, it was nice to see another home. Men of Courage is uh, the Men of Courage is a a program really designed around Black male empowerment. Okay, and so it's something that uh, Big Sean and Mayor Bing uh, partnered to build out. And mm-hmm. so they have a a center uh, where they do the four research stuff over at a uh, Heilman Rec Center over on the east side in the district. Um, 
It's something I've been a part of for almost three years now when they, when they first started. You said they're doing research at the community no, no, no. center? Resource, resource. Oh, resources. Resources, yes. Mm-hmm. So they are providing resources. But okay. they're, you know, mentors, it's primarily a mentorship program, mm-hmm. showing and identifying uh, strong black male role models and investing in uh, programs that are led by strong black men. Okay, okay. So if someone wanted to volunteer as a mentor, how would they get connected? Uh, they would Google Ford uh, Men of Courage. Okay. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Helping others to get into focus. So one of the kind of issues that I found coming up with a number of people that I interact with is what to do when you feel like your huge problem or frustration is somebody else's behavior. So the idea that the problem is outside of yourself. So if the issue is, oh, you know, I I want to stop procrastinating, then, you know, there are some things you can do within yourself. That's a problem within yourself. But if your problem is like, oh, I feel like this person is doing me wrong or treating me, um, treating me wrong, what what are your what are your options? And so I feel like if your problem if the problem is outside of yourself and it's related to another person's behavior or actions, you actually kind of have limited options that might actually be effective. So maybe the first option might be discussing the issue with the person. But even if if you choose that, you have to be do it really delicately. And it has to be done in a way that they can, like, really receive the message and not get defensive because it's really natural for um, if you tell someone, oh, you're doing something wrong, for them to want to defend themselves because they feel as though they're being attacked or their character is being attacked. But even, okay, let's imagine a magical world where you're able to discuss it and the person is even willing to change. Change is actually really hard. So... I'm a therapist, and I am in the change business. So I definitely believe that change is possible and that people can change. But I also know that it is not easy, even when you are motivated to change. So even when someone has, you know, gotten to a really uh, difficult low point point in their life and they are reaching out uh, for therapy and they know that uh, some of the issues uh, they may maybe somewhat of their own making the ability to change their actual behavior or thinking is really difficult and those are very motivated people so so how do you do it um no i'm just saying that that's a hard option so it's possible uh but we aren't even talking about personal change and this i'm talking about getting someone else to change their behavior and saying that that is a very um tall mountain So you're saying we should not expect other people to change their behavior. I'm saying that I do not think that's the first line. I do not think that that is the best line of defense. I do not think that option one that I have presented is the best option. So if I'm like, hey, Crystal, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, so-and-so does this thing I don't like. Mm -hmm. They need to stop. Mm -hmm. My first thought should not be, how am I going to get them to change their behavior? No, it can. That can be an avenue you can explore. I I, I'm not saying it's not impossible. I'm just saying that it's it's really hard and it takes a lot of skill on both sides. Because, again, anytime you are putting your 
moods, your emotions in the hand of another person and how they are treating you, you've got a real wild card here. So what should I do first? Well, I'm not telling you what you should do. I talk to people about options. Okay. And I think that you should look at, everyone should look at their own situation to and to properly assess what are my different options here and choose the one that makes the most sense for them. I'm not telling people what they should do. Okay. I'm talking about options. Another option is changing your expectations of that person's behavior and then setting boundaries accordingly. And so... Often the reason we feel negative emotions like sadness, disappointment, frustration is because our expectations don't meet, don't match our reality. So our expectations are here, our reality is here, and this whole space in between. I don't think they can see your hands. I know they can't, but I'm trying to get you to understand this. Uh, this whole space in between, I think they can also imagine it is where the disappointment lies. I don't know if so, you said my expectations, right? Our expectations are one thing that you can change without involving the other person. So you have fewer variables in this situation because it's just you. It's just changing your own thinking. Again, still change is still hard, but at least you are not trying to change another person. Okay, so mm -hmm. what you're saying is I don't like it if, for example, I don't like it when my friend says things that are out of pocket to me. Okay. But okay. my friend always says things that are out uh -huh. of pocket to mm -hmm, me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I should just be okay with him saying I'm not saying should. I'm not saying anybody should do anything. Uh, We're talking about okay. our so, options so and the pros and cons of different options. I will be happier if I... I don't I'm understand what you're saying. I'm not saying happier. I'm saying that you have... Okay, let me give an example. That's what I want. An example is that I hear... A lot of people going through is, you know, I give so much to other people, but they do not reciprocate okay. in the okay. way that I do. Yep. Yep. That is something that I hear a lot. So if you were going to use this, if you were going to use option one mm -hmm. in your approach to this issue, that would mean that you're approaching your friend gently and you ex you're trying to explain to them how that lack of reciprocation makes you feel. Okay. So. Mm hmm. I'm always out here helping you move stuff and, like, cutting the grass and doing nice things for you. But you don't ever help me move things. No. So you that would make me defensive. I would feel attacked if you described it like that. So you have to present it to the—you don't have to do anything. But if you want to increase the likelihood mm -hmm. that this person can receive it, it helps to— presented in a softer way, in a way that will um, decrease the likelihood that they will get defensive. So that is by using soft emotion words, t saying how their actions led you to feel. Okay, so, so I felt mm -hmm. no appreciation when you did not help That's me. not a feeling. So that is a judgment statement. You are saying you do not appreciate oh, me. You are not in that person's head. These so you. Are so, hard. <laughs> so what an example would be is like using soft emotion words like sad, hurt, or disappointed, versus kind of harder or harsher emotion words like pissed, irritated. It, dro it drove me crazy, mm. because we're trying to make we're trying to package this message in a way that someone can actually pick it up and receive it versus kicking it across the room because now you've pissed them off because you're accusing them of not appreciating you and again we are not trying to get inside of their head and predict what it is they're thinking or feeling what we are just trying to communicate to them is they did this objective they did this objective behavior this action and then how it made you feel so 
An example might be, you know, when you didn't call me on my birthday this year, I was really disappointed. I had hoped that we would hang out to celebrate together, especially since we had so much fun at the birthday party I actually planned for you last year. So not hearing from you really made me feel sad and even a bit lonely. Gotcha. Does that make sense? And can you see the difference between that instead of you didn't call me on my birthday and I last year I even threw a party for you? The last one sounds like what I hear people say. Yes, yes, it it it, it is. It is. That is why they do not get the desired <laughs> results. Okay, gotcha, well, gotcha. Well, no, okay. Again, since you're dealing with another person, they are still a wild card. This person could still you could you could present this in the most beautifully wrapped package possible, and they could still be like, forget you. Um, you're talking trash. You're a hater. I don't know. Just say anything. People can. <laughs> People love getting called the haters. I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot of haters out here. That so I need to be called out okay. on their hating life. So that would be an, an example of doing option one, trying to change this other person's behavior. Not impossible, but uh, in order to increase the likelihood that it would be effective, you do have to present it, or it is best if you present it in a, in a more measured way mm-hmm. and where you're focusing on how something made you feel mm-hmm. versus um, like a tit-for-tat gotcha. or um, this um, sparring match or this debate. Gotcha. Because they can't debate how you felt. They can debate if you're trying to... Um, presuppose what their intentions were of their behaviors. Um, But if you're just saying you did X and I felt Y. Mm -hmm. So the way you might approach that with the second option, which is kind of changing your expectation of the friend's behavior. So that's kind of when someone shows you who they are, that's believing them. So that is, you know, stop expecting this person to call you on your birthday because you've known them for 10 years and they've never remembered to call you on your birthday. So while that person may have a lot of other positive qualities and doesn't mean you have to kick that person out your life, it is just recognizing that this is the type of person that does not call on my birthday. So now that I have accepted that as a fact, my expectation is now in line with the actual reality. And I do with it or I don't. So I could be like, you know Mm -hmm. what? I don't want to be associated with some Mm -hmm. jerk who don't call me Mm -hmm. on my birthday. Mm -hmm. Or I could be like, well, I guess they are really nice otherwise. Mm -hmm. They just don't care about birthdays. Yeah. But so I could do either of those. Mm -hmm. But I will be happier myself Mm -hmm. because I am not expecting someone Mm -hmm. to constantly fail me. Yes. Right. So like my dad, he's not going to be on time. If I expect him to be on time, I'm going to be frustrated. That would be silly. If I expect him to be late, I will be delightfully surprised Mm -hmm. if he's ever on time. Exactly. It would be a bonus. I got you. Mm -hmm. I like option two. (laughs) I kind of like option two as well. I feel like that's the door with all the prizes behind it. Option two. But there are some situations where you do um, really need to um, talk something out with someone. I think that's something we do quite a bit. And we do actually have the expectation that we are each motivated to come to the center on a number of things in order to keep our relationship going. That's because I love you. (laughs) And I love you as well. Yes, you do. Say it again. She loves me. She doesn't have to say it again. We know. (laughs) So with with that in mind, 
it's not that option one is bad and you should never do option one. I just think you should think about your different options. You should not um, assume Like, I think what I'm always trying to do is broaden people's ideas about the options that they have. And then once we have those options laid out on the table, let's think about the pros and cons of each and how they relate to this particular situation, which makes the most sense given this situation. And it's very person dependent, situation Mm -hmm. dependent. Um, I just want you to consider the different Options. So these are tools, you know, like, hey, yes, for exactly. your different, That's a your good different way. situations, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. these are tools that you should have in your toolbox. You should be able to use them as appropriately. Mm-hmm. But the better skilled you are at handling them, the more effective they will be and the better practiced you will be at using them for the right thing. Exactly. Exactly. So once you have changed your expectations, you started talking about this, then you can ask yourself what boundaries you want to set in order mm-hmm. to be okay with the fact that this person is going to continue to do them. It sounds like you're using the two in conjunction. You're like yeah, one yeah. and two. Mm-hmm. It's like not an either or, but a both and or both maybe. I don't know. This is complicated. <laughs> I feel like we all need therapy. Uh <laughs> So Crystal is a clinical psychologist. If you need uh, help, you should find one. I've married one so I could get that free care. But then she hits me with the ethics of like, mm, sorry, unethical to provide you with care. And I'm like, drat. Not quite. I don't know that I would say all that. But I do think setting boundaries with people is really important because um, it is basically trying to create a situation where – you are protecting yourself. And I think it's important to protect yourself and to protect uh, your heart. So for that previous example, that may mean that in the future, you decide that you are not going to put forth the time, effort, and money to plan birthday parties for this person in the future because you know how much it will frustrate you when they don't even reach out to you on your special day. But it could also be that you, that doesn't have to be your response. That doesn't have to be your boundary. It could be, hey, now that I've changed my expectation, And I still consider this person to be a really good friend. And even though they don't call me on my birthday, whenever I'm sick, they come over and, you know, make homemade chicken noodle soup for me. That That, sounds nice. Yeah, it is really nice. I actually have a a good buddy that did that for me. It was very sweet. I got Um, some of the chicken noodle soup. It was 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 actually amazing. It was bomb. Um, I'm just thinking about it right now. It was so good. She made it from scratch. The noodles were like large. It was was everything. We were all sick. Lily made us sick. Daycare life. She was like. I haven't been sick in years. Lillian was like, I got something for you. It's called a cold. My little homies gave it to me. You two can get it, Dad. Yes, yes. It, it, it took me out of the game. But um, so let's say that you, you know, still love this person as a friend. You still want this person in your life. And maybe you even enjoy throwing the birthday parties for them. If you can kind of reconcile that within yourself that this is not how this person happens to show love or appreciation by giving the calls on the birthday but the way you like to give them love is by throwing them a birthday party then you can still do those things just do not expect them to do something that they never have done before so that that's what I mean by just if your issue is that's if your big issue is someone else's behavior, it's outside of yourself and related to someone else's behavior or actions, 
think about the different options in front of you. And maybe even that you try both. It could be even that you do option one where you discuss the issue with the person, tell them um, in a very um, non-defensive way how it makes you feel. And then you see whether or not that works. And maybe in some cases it will lead to positive change. In other cases it doesn't. And in the cases that it doesn't and you still want this person in your life, it may be helpful to do what you can, what you actually have control over, which is changing your own expectations and then setting boundaries accordingly. How the two of us happen to focus on one another. That's so kind of the story of our relationship. In our previous episode, Adam Uh, talked a bit about our interactions in high school where we did not date but knew of one another. We did not go to a large uh, high school, so we definitely knew of one another, had mutual friends, would run into one another. Um, You know, apparently Adam knew then that that he wanted me to be his wife. You know, then wrote a letter to that effect and gave it to me. You know, all all those little minutiae details about uh, what happened during our high school years. And Adam is going to tell you a little bit about how we ended up on our first date. Yeah, it really, the bottom line is Crystal talks a great deal about how I spent all this time knowing that I loved her and wanted to be with her for the rest of my life. And I do want all of those things and did want them once we started dating. But we started dating because uh, Crystal has this party every year, uh, which started out for folks who kind of went away to school and, you know, went most of our friends stayed in state. They went to U of M. They went to MSU. They went to Wayne State. And when you go away, you find yourself finding or needing to connect with people from other schools mm-hmm. because the pot and the pool of Detroiters at Yale or at Cornell or at Columbia or Brown or at Stanford at NYU is just mm-hmm. is just smaller. And so we kind of banded together as I think Crystal started out as an, an Ivy League thing, and then it became an East Coast thing, and then it became a, hey, if you went to school not in Michigan, here is another place where you'll find other people. And uh, what was cool about this was I think it started out with her friends and her cohort, mm-hmm. but it also became a place where people like me who went who were younger than Crystal – uh, for us to connect with upperclassmen or people who were already at school. And so my senior year in college, I was at Crystal's parents' house for this party. And and one of the, I do want to add, one of the cool, well, well, things I at least thought was cool is that it even then opened up to high schoolers that were interested in going to some of the schools that we went to. Thunder Steeler. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I yeah, didn't realize I was going to talk about how oh, oh, oops, my that bad. was a thing. Uh, <laughs> because, you know, our networks got bigger, right? So other people who... Uh, had already gone, started connecting with people who were prospective students at some of these other schools mm-hmm. or who were going. And, and so the, the party kind of developed its own uh, uh, legs in that space. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you'd bring your friends and your friends would invite or my friends would invite other people. In, and so it kind of grew. But so my senior year, uh, I had come home and Crystal was in grad school. Mm-hmm. This was the Christmas break. Yes, this mm-hmm. was Christmas break of 2016. 2006. Six, 2006. Yes. Yeah, 2016 <laughs> is like two years ago. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, we're having a good event. It's all fine and uh, fun. Uh, and I'm headed out with my buddies, and we're about to go out on the town, which is a rarity for me because I am the epitome of a homebody. But uh, as Crystal is leaving, or as I'm leaving, she hands me my jacket and gives me this look. And before she tries to deny it, she gave me a look. 
And the reason I know she gave me a look is you guys have heard this whole time that she has been basically playing me and taking all this joy and saying, oh, no, yeah, whatever, Adam, whatever. Uh, but so she gives me this look that says, hey, if you ask me out, I'm going to say yes. So so there was no look. I mean, I'm I am very thankful that he believed that there was a look uh, and that he moved forward and asked me out because of this non-existent look. But, you know, there was no look. I handed the man his coat. I told him and his friends, you know, thank you for coming. Uh, thank you for being a guest at uh, my event fairly routine exchange, but I'm glad that he sensed something more, even if it wasn't there to truly sense. So she's just not telling you the truth. Okay. She's right. always contended that there was no look, but there was obviously a look because I noticed it, then asked her out, and she said, yes. You did not, it wasn't like you asked me out on the spot. Let's let's tell the actual story. So what, a few, like a week later or a few days later? Like the next day? Oh, um, okay, the next day. Yeah, like I call the next day, hey, Crystal, what are you doing probably tomorrow? Is because that's how I roll. Uh, and <laughs> that I was, is how you roll. <laughs> I was like, hey, Crystal, uh, what are you doing tomorrow? And she was like, oh, you know, I got something during this day because Crystal had her vacation scheduled out. I mean, she was out here. Uh, and I was like, all right, well, uh, if you got some time in this evening time, let's go to the movies. And she said yes. Uh, we went and saw Deja Vu, which was this movie with Denzel Washington. Mm-hmm. And who was the star? Was it Rosario Dawson? I don't know. I don't remember. Anywho, uh, so I do this thing with my mom where I like to predict what's going to happen in uh, a movie. And if you've ever seen Deja Vu, it's the type of movie with all the confusion and like back and forth and like. You know, Denzel Washington doesn't even really know what's going on in the movie and how it's going to happen. And there's all this figuring out to happen. Paula Patton. You're right. It was Paula Patton. It's Google. Vernon will be very upset that I confused Rosario Dawson and Paula Patton. But so I leaned over to Crystal. I was like, I know what's going to happen. And she wasn't mad at me. She didn't like punch me or shush me or say, hey, I don't want to know. She said, well, what's going to happen? At that moment, I knew she was the one for me. Because I love predicting. And she she played along. At that moment, I was like, oh, we need to do something else. So as soon as the movie was over, I was like, hey, do you want to go get dinner? She said yes. While we were at dinner, I asked her what she was doing tomorrow. And I told you she was out here. So she had evening plans. So I was like, okay, well, let's go out during the day. Meaning out here can mean lots of things. Oh. I was... This is Christmas break, so this is the time to reconnect with your buddies that you, you know, weren't in school with. So I had a busy social calendar. I was like, you know, hanging with this friend and that friend. I was making use of my time at home. And uh, Adam had decided he wanted to monopolize said time. Because that's that's what you do when you, like Beyonce said, when you— how, do, how does it go? If you like if put you a like, ring. Yes. yes. So obviously it was too soon to put a ring on it. So I had to be with her at all times. It's like, so you got some time this time? I would like that time. So I was like, hey, okay. So you've got evening plans. Um, do you want to go ice skating? And she was, I think, yeah. So it was ice skating. and then, or yeah, was it? I think Campus Martius was yeah. kind of new. Yeah, at it was. That point. It was very mm-hmm. newish. And ice skating was this kind of new thing. I was like, oh, this will be cool. And so we went ice skating. And then I like to consider that our third date. Because dinner was our second date, even though it happened the first day. I still like it's kind of ridiculous. I mean, I it was. I, I mean, dinner in a movie is like even a popular phrase. Yeah, but that's not what I was planning when I asked you. I, I was planning a movie, and I was having such a good time. I was like, "Well, do you want dinner?" And then I was having such a good time. It, by the way, while we were at dinner, I was like, "Hey, tomorrow." 
So <laughs> what time are you free? Ice skating? Good. We're in there. And then while we were there, we went ice skating, and then we went on this crazy mission to find a Starbucks because there was only one Starbucks in the whole city. It was true. like on Why Jefferson. Why did we do that? Because he wanted did... coffee, and I was like, well, we're going to get you coffee because it was cold. Oh, okay, but I just it had to be Starbucks. I guess Starbucks was really hot. Then. Also, there weren't okay. other. I mean, this is yeah, 2006. Like there, there were not like a plethora of true coffee story, shops and story. other things mm-hmm. around the city. Uh, for all of you who Detroit is a 2016 or newer, ten year, you know, ten twelve years ago, it was a different place. And uh, so while we're out at Starbucks, I was like, "Hey, what are you doing tomorrow?" And she was like, "I got." You know, whatever she was doing, I was like, well, after that, let's go out again. And so we went to dinner. And so every day um, over Christmas break, we went out uh, because I'm a firm believer that when you find the right person, when you find that thing, you should do everything you can to take advantage of it. Because Crystal was who I wanted to spend every waking moment I had uh, with her. She wasn't quite so convinced that that was true about me. But uh, I knew. So I was like, hey. Uh, I see you have five minutes, that thing. And she was like, yeah, but I have a date after that. I was like, that's cool. I'd like those five <laughs> minutes before then. She's like, but you realize I have a date with somebody else. I was like, yeah, but you're going to have enough fun with me that you won't have any more of these dates with these other dudes. <laughs> and that did ultimately happen, that it was that uh, it was kind of like, oh, well, I think I will just, you know, hang out with Adam and not. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so uh, it, it was it was a great time. And people joke and tease uh, because I was all in from that moment. She said, well, what's going to happen? And I know that that seems funny. And when you when you watch movies, it's like those kind of random things that tell you that so-and-so is the person. But that's really how it was for Crystal and I. And like I said, every day on spring break, I asked her out. I was like, hey, let's go again. And then uh, January 4th, 2007, I asked Crystal to be my girlfriend. And she said yes, but I think she was somewhat hesitant about it. Do, no, actually, that what happened was that this was maybe the third time you had asked me. So in previous times when you had asked me, I said, no, this is way too soon. We're still just trying to get to know each other. We had maybe we had only been dating, you know, a very limited amount of time, days or week, max weeks. So I said no previous times. But I did have the feeling that you were going to continue to ask. So I had to then think to myself, when he next asks, you know, when when would I would I say yes? Like, what is my kind of final answer here? Also, keeping in mind at this point, it is in my mind. It is very clear to me that Adam likes me and that he is serious about this. So I was I was thinking the whole time, if I am not serious about this, I should not drag this on any further. So I have to really do some self-reflection to figure out, am I serious about this for potential long term or not? And I need to figure that out quickly. So when I actually said yes, I knew that that. I knew I had already told myself when he asked me again, because for me, it wasn't an if it was when <laughs> when he asked me again, I am now ready to say yes. I think that I have you know enough information. And I think when that happened, we were on our way to your f- parents house. We were for dinner. So, Adam, again, had we maybe we'd been dating two weeks 
Yeah, that sounds right. Okay. He was like. If that. Um, like 10 days. <laughs> perhaps. He was like, I want you to come and have dinner with my family. And then I was like, well, that, that sounds like a lot. Um, I liked her. You like somebody, you give them everything you have. And to some extent, for all those people who remember Family Matters, I feel like Steve Urkel used to be like, I'm wearing her down. <laughs> Apparently, I wore her down and was most effective at it. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, so. And so, and I think there was even a thing. I had already gone back up to Michigan State for grad school, and I was kind of like, mm, I'm already up here in Lansing. I'm not going to drive back down, you know, for dinner at your, uh, your, you know, with your family. And also, I think this is kind of soon. He was just like, nope, I'll pick you up. I did. So he drove from Detroit to Lansing to pick me up, then from Lansing back down to Detroit for me to have the dinner, and then took me back up to Lansing. Because that's how I roll. I mean, that <laughs> we'll tell you later, but that's not the longest drive it's ever taken, <laughs> uh, the longest ride it's ever taken to get to Lansing. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean... And I don't regret a moment of it. You know, it was exactly what I had to do. And I think that is one of my best qualities is that when I see something or someone that has to be in my world, I make sure I do everything to make sure that they understand that I love them, that I value them, that I'm going to take care of them. And I knew you were it. And I knew I had to make sure that I... What do they say? Do they just secure the bag? Is that what the, yes, is that what the people it say? Is. Good job, sweetie. I yes. don't normally use pop culture references. Yes. yes, and so mm-hmm. consider the crystal secured. Because uh, <laughs> uh, I was also going back to school, so I was a volunteer firefighter in college, and so my winter break was abridged because I had to go back up to Ithaca for some training, and I was like, uh, I am not about to leave this beautiful, eligible single woman out here in. Michigan just to be approached by other gentlemen. No, sir. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. So, Crystal said yes because I'm awesome. But really because she true. gave me this look mm, uh, at yes. her parents' house as she was handing my coat saying, hey, dreamy man named oh, Adam. Oh, gosh. All of that? All of that. The mm. eyes were just like, mm. if you say I, yeah, if you ask you me. picturing I'm, those cartoon heart eyes just, then th- that was emanating, that was just radiating from, is that what you're picturing? I was more thinking doughy eyes, but, you oh, know, take, take wow. your wow. You're, you're doing a lot here, sir. Um, there was none of that. And the other thing that is funny is the year before, so 2005, that Christmas, you, after our party, and that was, I guess, on my end and what was going on in my head, that Christmas party of 2005 is the first time that I was like, huh, Adam has really matured. So to be honest, if there was any time I would have given you a look or it even that it thought it even crossed my mind, it would have been actually the Christmas party of 2005. I think there also may have been fewer people there and we just had more interaction there and one could even say I was flirting with you at that time not really in a way that I wanted like I was trying to get something to come out of it but just kind of like oh I'm now that was the moment that I was like I see Adam in a different light now he's not just the you know young kid you know young precocious uh (laughs) very confident uh young guy that I met as a 13-year-old, you just seemed more mature. So after that Christmas party, 
I don't know if you remember this, you called me a few days after that one and you asked me out. No, I don't remember that, but I'm not saying it didn't happen. I just don't remember. Uh, <laughs> okay. Let me cut in real quick and then we'll, we'll move on. But Crystal always <laughs> says that I do not remember things that... Uh, bad things. You don't yeah, remember bad like, things, negative things that happened to you. Just, he just deletes them from his brain. It's like a self-preservation uh, method or defense mechanism that, like, yeah, he just deletes them from his brain. Remember, Crystal's a clinical psychologist. She is a professional. <laughs> I have no, no statement in regards to this at all. Uh, but, yeah, so that, that's how we started dating. And so with that, he called and he said, Crystal, would you go to this 2.15 p.m. showing of blank movie on this date? It was very specific. And I happened to have something else going on on that day and time. In theory, I would have gone out on a date with him, but I just was unavailable at that very specific time that he requested. And when I said, oh, you know, I'm not available at that time, he was just like, all right, okay, bye, and hung up. <laughs> so <laughs> he remember he says he remembers none of this. I remember this vividly. I she can does imagine always, where she does always. Say I have that. a I have a fairly good memory with these types of things. And so I remember where I was in my home when I took the call. I remember being surprised that the call was so abrupt and that he was so specific as as far as the time and the day. Um, and again, I would have been open to going out on a date with him at that point. But I guess moral of the story, Adam did not have much game. He was just lucky <laughs> that his wife gave him this look and was like, hey, ask me out. I will say yes. <laughs> and so moral I of the say story. all of that to say if there was any look, it occurred in Christmas 2005. Obviously not. Versus 2006. All right. Well, I guess it's time to talk about the baby. Uh, <laughs> Crystal just making stuff up now. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so Lillian uh, just started daycare at a new spot. So it's still a Bright Horizons place, but she changed locations. And uh, we, this was her first day there today. Other uh, cool things, Lily is turning over now. She's uh, doing quite the turning over. And um, still wondering when to start her on solid foods. Because she is uh, past the six-month mark now, and I've done some reading about more baby-led start of solid food. So when they actually start reaching for the food um, on your plate and when they start appearing interested in foods or when um, she seems to need more calories. Like so if she was having difficulties uh, sleeping through the night on uh, on the breast milk. So, so far, she's still sleeping through the night, um, and she's um, surviving and thriving well on um, on the milk. It, so we're, we just kind of have that in the back of our minds, like when and how we want to start the solid food stuff. So funny story about sleeping through the night, and mm. I only bring it up because you talk about the babies eating. Uh, this lady called me because uh, she got one of my cards in the mail and was talking about stuff, hmm. and... Uh, 
she, you know, she's, I mentioned, you know, she said, oh, how old is your daughter? And I said, six months old. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was like, well, don't you need to, be? it was like seven o'clock. She was like, well, you need to be, you know, I was like, oh, no, no worries. Uh, you know, it's not too late. She was oh. saying you need to be what now? She was talking about the baby. She was like, oh, well, don't let me interrupt you. I'm oh, sure you're putting the baby. It was 7 p.m.? Yeah, about okay. 7 p.m. She's like, I bet you're, you know, dealing with the baby. I was like, oh, no, I put her to sleep about nine. She was like, oh, that's really late. <laughs> it is really late. <laughs> I was we like, you need to do better. <laughs> I was like, but she sleeps through the night. And she's like, really? I was like, yeah, she sleeps like a person, you know, like yeah. like an adult. She, she goes, to, sleep she goes to bed at nine and she wakes up at seven. <laughs> you know, she's like, I, you know, I only need nine hours. That's like 10 hours of sleep anyway. But she's like, hey. Uh, but so it, it just was funny that she's kind of on a, her own schedule. Also, when we dropped her off at daycare this morning at the new space, they were like, well, how does she like to nap? She's like, she doesn't really nap. She kind of stays awake all day and then goes to sleep all <laughs> to night. To be honest... Actually, at the daycare, she does now. Oh, she does nap now. And I talked to them about that later. So, um, when I went to went to pick up, clearly I had no idea. (laughs) Yeah. So I actually look at the daycare app when she sleeps and when she's awake. So I um, I even first look at their app, then I transfer the information each day to the app that Adam and I use. I look at the pictures. She looks super cute. (laughs) I look at how much food she ate. Uh, that that's fantastic. So I look at it all, <laughs> and um, there are sometimes she's napped for like an hour or you know or more. So <laughs> at daycare she naps. She, she does not she nap went, with us yeah. unless she's in the car seat and we're taking her like on a drive Correct. or a stroll or something like yeah. that. She will nap then. And if one of us is wearing her in our our like baby carriers yeah. that go on our body, she will. Usually, nine times out of ten, she'll go to sleep in one of those kind of pressed up close to us. But, yeah, other than that, she is not laying down for any naps. Even when I see her getting sleepy, if I try to move her and then, like, put her in a crib to nap during the day, she's like, no, thank you. No, ma'am, this is not this is not what I signed up for. Every now and again, she'll still take a nap with me hmm. uh, when we're laying down. But, I mean, when was the last time I had time to take a nap with her? Mm. But, you know, I mm-hmm. think maybe a month ago, a month and a half ago. <laughs> a oh, gosh. Ago. Wow, you're going back pretty <laughs> far. Sometimes sometimes she'll fall asleep if we're doing the—if I'm nursing her and we're doing uh-huh. the side-lying position. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, the side-lying position, for those not in the new of nursing, is— uh, Basically, I'm lying either on a mat on the floor or on the bed on my side, and she's on her side facing me, and we're nursing like that. And when we nurse, she has a tendency to fall asleep uh, after, if not during, and I have to kind of nudge her to remind her, like, wait, we're our goal is to get some food here. And um, there are definitely times when we're doing the side-lying position, and she will uh, fall asleep even if it's during the day. So there are a couple tricks I could use at home, but I've even tried asking the daycare people, like, I tried to ask it kind of nonchalantly so they so I didn't seem too ridiculous. But I was like, so how do you and how do you get her to nap? How does, how does that work? How do you do you just see her getting sleepy and then you set her down? Or do you say, oh, I think it's about time for her to take a nap and you put her down? Like, how are you managing this, getting her to go to sleep during the day purposefully? How does how does that happen? I still don't have a firm grasp on this. Um, 
you know, I don't know. But to be honest, she's sleeping through the night. So, I mean, hey, I feel like maybe I won't mess with um, her equilibrium. Yeah, because remember mm-hmm. that time you were like, oh, maybe if I keep her up late, she won't wake you up in the morning. And then she was just <laughs> like, I'm staying up late every night. <laughs> she's being a little sleep terrorist. <laughs> so, 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 yes. And um, I'm surprised Adam has not already mentioned this, that um, Adam is of the belief that she is said dada. By when you say of the belief, I mean, she said it. I have it on okay, video. Okay. I showed you. Did I show you the video? I you have saw seen the video. the video because said, I consume she, she, all she said, media related said to it, my child. Mm-hmm. You heard it. It was a fact. She does. Honestly, for a while, she had been saying things like da 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 You know, um, mm. you know. It sounds like you said dada a number of times. So Okay. Practicing, you know, consonant vowel combinations, different syllables. Yes, she has definitely been doing that. I think for me, the da-da thing would be if she looked at you, maybe arms outstretched and was like, da-da. That would be like, whoa, okay, this is. Otherwise, I think it may be more like babbling and she's just practicing different um, different sounds that she's heard, different, you know, phonemes that mm. have like come someone, up in her daily life. Sounds like somebody who's uh, a little jealous that she hasn't heard. Because we haven't heard that. Just, we have not heard. Just no. for the record. True story. Not any of those. <laughs> no, none of that. Uh, but maybe next time we come on, Crystal will be able to pretend that Lillian is out here trying to say, Mom, she's not yet, though. She is not. She is not. Thanks again for uh, listening to the InFocus podcast. Uh, you can uh, reach me at Adam at AdamOlier.com, which is A-D-A-M at A-D-A-M-H-O-L-L-I-E-R.com. Uh, or check out my website at AdamOlier.com. And we hope that you enjoyed our conversation about how we met, uh, how our daughter Lillian is doing, some mm-hmm. of the cool stuff going on in Detroit as well as some of the incredible gems of knowledge that my wife is providing. So, yeah. And once again, I'm, a, I'm Adam. I'm running for state senate in the 2nd District. Uh, the election's August 7th. Hope you are voting. Great. Time.